Welcome back to The Brazen Truth. I'm Tiffany Cater, and this is the podcast where we talk about morality, sexuality, and spirituality according to the Bible. Um, This episode is kind of uh, difficult for me to share on because it it is kind of embarrassing. It's kind of embarrassing, and, you know, the, the embarrassing podcasts always tend to make the best podcasts, so... I'm just going to go for it because because that's what this um, podcast is about, right? Just the truth, the truth, just the truth. So let's just get into it. guys know that I've struggled with addiction. I've been pretty honest with you guys about that. I've struggled with addiction my whole life, um, starting from the time I was probably about maybe eight. Um, I had a lot of sexual addictions, a lot of um, shame. Um, I had um, uh, eating disorder or addiction starting when I was probably uh, 11 or 12. Um, and the way that started was, I mean, I can't really say the way it started cause there's probably a lot of psychology and whatnot behind it, but, um, it, it started, um, with, you know, you already feel awkward at that age. You feel like you're not shaped like the other girls because everyone's shaped differently. They're, they're going through a lot of changes and whatnot. So you, you're, and you're comparing yourself, you're trying to make sure you're normal. And of course you're not normal because there's not really a normal at that age. So, um, you know, I had a lot of, um, I think body dysmorphia probably is what it's called. And, um, a lot of shame about my body. So, I learned by watching this this show or this movie, right? This movie um, uh, to raise awareness for eating disorders. Uh, th- believe it or not, it was supposed to raise raise awareness for eating disorders. But for me, it taught me how to have an eating disorder. Uh, I don't want to get into that right now. But um, I never knew that bulimia was a thing until I watched the movie. And then when I found out, oh, like you can eat a lot and then just make yourself throw up and then you're skinny and beautiful like the girl in the movie. She's skinny and she's beautiful. Now, she died of a heart attack at the end, but she was absolutely gorgeous. And I was like, I want to look gorgeous like that. And of course, I'll stop before it gets too bad. So um, I started binge eating and I'd make myself throw up. And, um, you know, it, it never got to the point where I got super skinny. Actually, I probably I didn't get skinny. I just gained weight because I would, um, you know, do it a few times and then I'd get kind of grossed out at the whole throwing up part. <laughs> so I would just keep binge eating. And that's how I trained myself to binge eat. And I just kept the binge eating part and got rid of the throwing up part. And um, so I think that really set me up for another addiction an e- an eating disorder or food addiction. And I, you know, I would go back and forth as I um, got older, my early twenties, I think I struggled with bulimia a little bit, but I don't even want to call it bulimia because I was never skinny. I would just, I I would keep myself from getting super, super big, right? Um, But as I got older, that kind of stuff is childish in my mind. It was childish, obviously. I mean, it's it's a weakness for sure. It's, It's not something that you're proud of. It's not something that's a good thing to do. 
So I quit the throwing up part, but I, again, I continued the binge eating. So, uh, you know, I also struggled that that was the food, the food aspect. And I also struggled with things like opioid addiction. And thank God it's illegal because if opioids were legal or if they hadn't made them super hard to get, I probably would have a huge issue with those because I did get addicted for a short period of time, but the doctor wouldn't prescribe them to me anymore. And no one, I, you know, I, I couldn't get them from, I think I tried to like borrow some from my parents or from my sister who had like dental work and, you know, those, they're, they're hard to come by. So I didn't really have enough opportunity to establish a great, um, uh, stronghold or addiction in that area, but I, it definitely could have easily, easily destroyed my entire life. So I know this about myself. I know that I uh, have a have a proneness to addiction, and I'm not speaking that over my life. And you know, when you have a proneness to addiction, guess what else you have a proneness to? You have a proneness to victory in Christ Jesus. That's if you allow Him to be a part of your life, to to um, work in your life. If you surrender to Him, that's something you learn a lot in like AA and um, and um, I, I know I don't go to AA alcohol. I've I've had my bouts with alcohol. I've enjoyed drinking alcohol, but it was never like something I had to do every day. Um, but I love AA meetings because, um, you know, I listen to them on YouTube. I, I really take it in because of the surrender aspect. Like there's so many wise concepts in that whole, um, establishment or organization. They also have celebrate recovery, which I have been going to every week. I've been going to a celebrate recovery meeting. And this is a a meeting that's Christ centered for people who have, um, issues with addiction. Um, I think it's like hurts, habits, and hang hangups or something like that. But really, it's it's for people who struggle with addiction. And I really like this because I've struggled with addiction, not just in one area. It's not just with you know substance abuse or or um, you know sexual uh, addictions. It's it's with several different addictions. And with people who struggle with addictions, it usually tends to be. Um, a spectrum, like you, you, you tend to struggle in different areas, and a lot of people who finally give up drugs or give up alcohol um, tend to uh, start addictions that are acceptable, like an eating disorder, like e- binge eating, or um, smoking cigarettes, or you know, alcoholism is legal, so it, it's really easy to go from giving up. Um, you know, giving up drugs to drinking because you can go to the bar, you can go wherever and drink. I say all that to say that, um, yeah, I, I know this about myself. I have struggled with addiction and God is giving me the victory and he's given me um, the victory over sexual addictions, drug addictions. Um, and this last one I have struggled with for a long time. And it's difficult because when you tell someone you have a food addiction, it really just I mean, I'm sorry, but it really just sounds pathetic. And maybe that's the judgmental part and celebrate recovery. They teach you not to be judgmental. I'm really working on that. But in my mind, it sounds really pathetic. Like as horrible as this sounds, and people will probably get mad at me for this, but I'd almost rather tell people that I am an alcoholic than I have a food addiction because I guess maybe, you know, alcoholism is kind of glorified in the media. You can watch a movie about an alcoholic struggle and battle and really feel motivated and, you know, see him conquer or even see him fall and feel sorry for him and love him. But if you watch a movie about, um, 
a person with an eating addiction. Like, what is it called? What's Eating Benjamin Grape, that movie? His mom is obese. She has an eating disorder. She's huge. She can't leave the house. They're embarrassed of her. Like, that movie really spoke to me. But it wasn't like, oh, you feel sorry for her. It was like, what is wrong with her? You feel sorry for the kids. You know, you feel you feel um, kind of embarrassed for her. And um, so that's that is, um, but it's guys, it's a real thing, but people in the world or in the church, even they accept that addiction. There's no counseling for people with eating addictions. Like if you have a drug addiction, that's a real problem. You have an alcohol, um, and a problem with alcoholism. That's a real problem. You have a sex addiction or sexual addiction, um, to pornography or with, you know, having sex with other people outside of your marriage. Those are real problems. But if you have an eating disorder, it's just kind of a pathetic, like, okay, We'll stop, but until you stop, we're just going to ignore it and pretend like it's not destroying your life. We'll pat you on the back and tell you it's okay and pretend like it's not completely tearing you apart inside. But it does. It destroys lives. It destroys lives, and I'm freaking tired. Guys, I'm tired of telling people about freedom when I'm not experiencing that freedom in this area. Like, I'm tired of telling people, don't you want to be like me and be a Christian and love Jesus? He'll set you free. The truth will set you free. And then go home and struggle in this area so much to the point where I don't even recognize myself when I look in the mirror anymore. Like, I don't want to go out. I don't want to meet people. I don't want to tell people about Jesus because I don't want them to be like me. I'm not the person that you look at and you want to be like. That's another thing about this this addiction. It's like, you know, with, with someone who struggles with alcoholism or um, a, a drug addiction or a, a pornography addiction or a sex addiction, you know, with people like that, you know, of course there's to a point. At some point, you definitely start to see when, you know, a tweaker is tweaking. You know what I mean? Like when when someone's um, really in the depth of their addiction, you can really see it and recognize it as they, this person is in bondage. Okay, so maybe that's, that's a bad example. What I was going to say is when someone's struggling with an eating disorder, that's literally the first thing that you see when you look at them is... This person has no self-control. This person doesn't deserve any kind of respect. This person is a slob. This person is lazy. Um, that That's like first impressions of, of a person that is morbidly obese. And if you're wondering, I'm morbidly obese. That's me. Um, so <laughs> maybe you guys didn't know it was that bad. You know why? Because fake, uh, Facebook, I almost said fake book, but yeah, Facebook is fake. <laughs> um, social media is not real. And maybe for some people, they keep it more real than me. If, that, if that's you, good on you. That's awesome. I am a little bit more, um, a little bit more uh, shallow, not shallow, vain. Maybe vain and prideful is more of the word. I, I try to, um, you know, get the angles. That's why I don't do video podcasts because I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to see what I look like, you know. But that's gonna that's gonna change. I'm growing. I'm moving forward. Obviously, I'm doing a video podcast right now. I don't know if I'm gonna use the video portion yet. Maybe just a little clip or something. But you know, I I'm growing and I'm getting past that. But um, I I don't like to show myself in real life. You know, in in action or um, real time. I want the angle. I want the lighting. I want you know um, the filters. All of that. I want it all. Um, so. 
that that's that's where I am. That's where I've been. You guys know a lot about where I've been, but God has set me free from the sexual addiction, drug addictions. He set me free from so many things, so many toxic mindsets, so many addictions. You know, I used to be a smoker. I smoked for like 10 years. God set me free from that. God is delivering me and he's taking me from glory to glory. And this is one of the glories he's going to take me from and he's going to take me to the next glory. So, you know, and, and the addiction really, since I've had experience with addiction in, in some of these areas and, you know, some people have struggled with addiction way more than me. Some people have struggled with addiction way less than me. But for me, addiction really reminds me of being in an abusive relationship. I've been in a, an abusive relationship before, so I kind of know what it feels like. Like you're addicted to that person and you know they're destroying you. You know that they're tearing you apart verbally, physically. You know that they could even kill you. But whenever you're away from them, like you miss them, you miss them. And if you don't make it through those withdrawals, then you'll just go back. Sometimes you even make it through the withdrawals. Sometimes you even make it through the withdrawals and then find yourself having to deal with real mundane life. There's no excitement anymore. It's kind of like PTSD. People who go to war, they have that constant combat. And when they come back, they're still looking for that combat. They're still looking for that fight. And there's a war going on inside of them that they left the war, but the war didn't leave them. That's kind of like what coming out of a, an abusive relationship is like. You go back and life is mundane. Life is boring. You're not the victim anymore. You can't blame your problems on this person anymore. And you have to be a conqueror. But if you don't know how to be a conqueror or you don't want to be a conqueror and you don't want to conquer, you just go back so that your whole struggle can be on this other person. And you're always the victim waiting to be rescued. And um, there's a song that actually, um, I'm not going to rap it for you just to, you know, not to disappoint you or anything, but I'm not going to rap it for you by Slim Shady and Rihanna. I'm sure you guys have all heard it, but it's um, Love the Way You Lie. Um, You know, she says, just going to stand there and watch me burn. And then she says, that's all right because I like the way it, hurt, it hurts. That's kind of a mindset when you're in this addiction. Like you you love it and you hate it. And um, it, and when you leave it, it is like a broken heart. It is like you're, you're learning to live a life without this other person or this other thing. Um, uh, part of something that Slim Shady says in that song um, totally reminds me of addictions trying to get back with you, trying to b- get back into your life, trying to attach and latch onto you again. He says, I apologize even though I know it's lies. I'm tired of the games. It just want, um, I just want her back. I know I'm a liar. If she ever tries to leave again, I'm going to tie her to the bed and set the house on fire. And that's exactly what an addiction does, like tries to lure you back, tries to seduce you back into its clutches. You, you make, um, um, you set boundaries. You make um, compromises. Um, you put things in place to keep you from slipping down that addiction slope too much, but you still allow it in your life. You think you can do it in moderation, but you still allow it in your life. And then soon it's sinking you to the bottom of the ocean. You know, if you don't get out of that addiction, addictions are there to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. The enemy's plan for you is to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And he loves to use addictions to do this because it's like self-inflicted pain and and turmoil and destruction on not just ourselves, but our families to see us tear ourselves apart, limb from limb, family members, finances, every area of your life, to see us do that to 
ourselves is like the enemy's favorite Netflix TV series to binge. Loves to get his popcorn on and just watch us ruin our own lives through addiction. So (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. I'm tired of it and I'm done. People don't think that you can really ruin your life so much with a food addiction. That's kind of one of the the little addiction that's okay, that's acceptable in the church. But you you don't think that that it ruins your life by teaching your kids those same habits and those same those same um, addictions, that same lifestyle. You don't think they suffer as obese little kids. You don't think they suffer as obese adults. Um, you don't think that they suffer through emotional trauma, health problems, um, feelings of self-hatred. You don't think that's something that your kids um, might possibly struggle with if those things are, are things that you struggle with as an obese person or that I struggle with as an obese person. Like, I do not want to leave that to my kids as their legacy to inherit. I do not, I cannot allow that to be a legacy that's passed on to my kids. And it's like I mentioned the movie, um, who's, who's eating Gilbert grape. And it's like, that is a perfect picture of what obesity does to people and to families. Um, the mom, you know, she's supposed to be responsible for taking care of this mentally challenged boy, this, her son, her youngest son, but instead she lets, um, she makes her older child do it because she just doesn't have it in her to chase him around and to give him the attention that he needs. So the older son is forced to do it and he's, he's forced to, to miss out on opportunities and to stay home and to watch, um, this little boy all the time. And, and he just can't handle it. He's a young boy himself. Um, so the little boy ends up suffering some abuse because of this too, because his brother isn't, isn't ready for it. Um, you can also tell that this mom has major anger issues as she stomps on the ground when people don't pay attention to her. That's something huge that obese women, maybe, maybe not all obese women, but from my experience with myself being an obese woman and, um, experiencing other obese women, uh, anger is a big issue anger at yourself. Usually it's, it's so much anger at yourself that it comes out, um, against everyone else. You're looking for anyone and anything to blame things on except for yourself. And that's what addiction does. It's always trying to be the victim, always trying to blame someone else for your shortcomings, your downfalls, for why you can't do it, for why you did what you did, for why you aren't enough or for why you fall short on every single thing that you're given to do. You're always looking to blame someone someone else because you already loathe yourself so much that you can't imagine putting any more of that loathing on yourself. So it just comes out on everybody else. That's destructive. That's toxic. That's addiction. You end up isolating yourself pushing yourself away from people because you're super judgmental against them and you're assuming they're all judging you. And they probably are. I mean, people like to say, oh, I don't look at obese people any differently, but actions speak louder than words and people treat obese people differently. And maybe obese people get really offended by this. I'm an obese person, so I can say that. Um, but uh, really, you can't you can't say that you don't treat, a, um, you know, a, a alcoholic differently. 
You can't say that. Like if an alcoholic comes at you and they're slurring their words and, and you know, they're staggering all over the place, you can't tell me that you're going to treat that person the same as you treat someone who's well put together, who's not slurring their speech and who's got their life together, right? You treat people differently, even though we try not to, we do. So you, so you isolate yourself and that's, a, that's something that you um, face in an abusive relationship too. Uh, the person that's abusing you always wants to isolate you from your friends, from your family, because the person that's abusing you wants to have control over your life, wants to be the, the sole um, custodial of your uh, life, your future and the things that you do, the things that you invest your time in, your money in, your emotions in. That's the abuser wants it all. It wants it all. Um, And that's what your addiction wants as well. So it also affects your relationship with your spouse, guys. Obesity, man, it affects everything. Um, And it affects your relationship with your spouse because, first of all, there's that insecurity. Um, Second of all, there's um, just if you don't respect yourself, you can't demand respect from someone else. If you don't respect yourself, even someone who's treating you perfectly cordial, pr- perfectly fine, they become an enemy with some small word that they that they said. Because when you're hurt, when you're already hurt, anywhere near that hurt is going to hurt way out of proportion to what it was inflicted with. For instance, if you have um, an ingrown toenail, um, never had one myself, but just kidding. I don't know. Maybe I have, but if you have, I have broken my toe many times. I've broken my toe. So let's say you broke your pinky toe. You stubbed it, right? I'm sure a lot of people have done that. Um, and then your, your kid, uh, who weighs like, you know, 40 pounds, 30 pounds, something, they step on your toe. It wouldn't normally really hurt that much, but when you have a broken toe, yeah, it freaking hurts. And you yell out and you like cry or whatever you do. Um, try not to cuss. Um, and then your kid's like, oh, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. But really it wasn't them that hurt you. You had stubbed your toe earlier that day and it was just the cherry on top of the cake. So it's kind of like that. You're obese. You have a relationship with your husband. Your husband says something to you or says something about someone else or says, you know, there's a million scenarios where this, this, um, this can be in play, but, um, you can get offended way easy and without really a right to be also, you you know, if you're obese and you're depressed and you don't um, feel like doing your job, um, whatever that job is, if you're a stay-at-home mom, yeah, you're in charge of the house. You're in charge of the house. You're in charge of the kids. You're in charge of the cleaning. In charge of the cleaning. Um, you're in charge of dinner. Although most of the time, to be honest with you, my husband makes me dinner because he loves to cook, and I am blessed, blessed, blessed in that way. But. Um, <laughs> but you you are falling short, right? You're falling short of these things that you're responsible for, that are your job to do. And your husband doesn't know what to say. Like, is he supposed to be, um, you know, a tyrant and then write you up or give you a pink slip like you would at a normal job? Of course not. He doesn't do that stuff, right? He tries to tiptoe around it. Maybe he doesn't say anything at all until one day he blows up at you for something really petty or, or something that was just like the straw that broke the camel's back. And it's really not about 
about, you know, um, the, the socks on the floor. It's really about the fact that he has no socks, no clean socks in his drawer and he should, you know? So (laughs) things like that, guys, it affects you in every way and it can cause so much turmoil. And yeah, sure. I'll, I'll admit, you know, eating, um, addictions can be much more subtle than, you know, being hooked on meth, right? It's much more subtle than that, but it almost makes it more dangerous because it is so subtle and it's not viewed as a sin and it's, you know, brushed under the rug and treated like it's a cute little pet sin to have when in reality it is completely destructive, completely ruining your life and you are allowing it free reign in your life because it's socially acceptable in the church and in society. No, I'm done. I'm done with it. I'm done. I'm done treating it like it's something that's okay because it's not okay. It's not okay. I weigh 227 pounds. I'm 5'5", considered morbidly obese. I've had back pain, joint pain, breathing problems, sleeping problems, um, you know, pre-diabetic, liver issues, kidney issues, fatigue, depression, all of those things. And you know, that that's just the beginning list of stuff obese people struggle with. The list goes on and on and on. Um, not just emotional list, physical, real physical implications of being obese. And you guys are, have seen this firsthand, whether you're obese or not over the last, you know, year and a half, you've seen um, that COVID is way more dangerous for people who are obese than people who are not obese. And that there's a reason for that, right? There's a reason for that. Obesity is a very unhealthy place to be. And this, guys, this is just so you guys know, first of all, obviously I'm not a doctor. Second of all, um, this is just what my strategy is. I'm not telling any of you guys to follow suit. I'm not telling any of you guys to do what I'm doing. Um, I'm just telling you what I'm doing and why as a Christian. So for a lot of these other addictions, there are, um, there's rehab facilities that you can go to. There's programs that you can be a part of to help you, um, get rehabilitated. Um, but you know, these, these programs, these rehabilitation centers take months. Um, they cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. $15,000 is probably the cheapest one that I know of. And, and there are rehab facilities for people with, you know, eating disorders and eating addictions as well. But I'm a mom. I have five kids. I can't go away for two months and, and get clean. I I just, I'm homeschooling. Um, I, I have a lot on my plate right now and I know to take time for me, right. But I can't take two months. So I'm, um, taking a week. I'm taking a week and I am getting a vertical sleeve gastrectomy. So VSG, that's that's when they take about 80% of your stomach, cut it out. It's not um, bypass surgery. It's um, something a little less uh, less extreme, but still an extreme thing that will change my life forever. Now, um, can you go back to eating horribly? Yeah. Yeah, you can. In fact, one out of three people regain the weight that they lost and then some. One out of three people within two years do that. Um, so obviously, A, this isn't a quick fix, you know, and, and it also isn't like a fix in and of itself. Like you need a lot of other things to um, combat this addiction, not just the rehab, right? Just like someone who goes to rehab, they can go and relapse and overdose and, you know, go or go right back into the lifestyle that they left. Like they can do it. So it, it's not... 
it's not an, an easy fix. It's a tool, something that you can use to help yourself. Um, but the other aspect is, I mean, and the most important thing, right? Because you can lose the weight through this and then gain it all back. So the mo- most important thing is up here, is in your mind. You got to work on your mind. You got to work on your heart. So, you know, I have been going to celebrate recovery groups and I'm con- I'm going to continue to go every week. It's just like an AA meeting for me. I'm going to go and I'm going to stay clean. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to have a sponsor um, who I confess to and I'm going to have a lot of accountability and, um, you know, I'm going to, um, I I've been reading books right now. I'm reading a book called soul care and so far it's, it's a really good book. Yeah. So th- things like that's what I'm learning. So VSG, um, so, um, I'm doing VSG October 6th, October 6th is my surgery date. I'm uh, flying out October 5th and then I'm coming back October 10th. Where am I flying to? That is... Something I'm not sure I want to share with you guys yet. Um, maybe I'll share that next episode um, because I think that I'm already telling you guys about the VSG and I know I'm going to get messages. Don't do it. It's not a fix. It's temporary. Um, it's dangerous. It's not worth Have you tried keto? Have you tried all these other diets? Yes, I've tried all the diets, all of them. And guess what? The thing about diets is they work. They work. They all work. If you actually follow the diet, they work. So um, that's what I've discovered about diets. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I know I'm going to get messages about that already. I don't want to get even more messages about the next thing. I'll, I'll t- talk to you guys about that on the next episode. But first, before we end this episode, I want to share with you guys some scriptures because I prayed about this, guys. I prayed about it. I fasted. I fasted for three days. Some of you guys are like, oh, you can fast for three days, but you can't uh, you know, lose this weight without surgery, huh? Well, fasting is a little bit different. And also, I can do anything for three days or maybe even three months, but a lifestyle and doing it in the long run for the long term is a different story. Um, But anyway, so I fasted for three days. I prayed about this, and these are the verses that I got. Romans 6.16 says, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves um, to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one thing you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And I really feel like that's what I've been doing. I've made myself a slave to this thing, and I'm, I'm tired of it, and I'm willing to do extreme things to um, gain the victory over this issue. Uh, Philippians 3.19 says their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So... I've always felt like as long as I was struggling with my weight, I could not look at anything else. I couldn't focus on anything else. I couldn't conquer in any other area as long as my weight stood in the way. And that's kind of how it is to be in an abusive relationship. Like you want to go to school? Nope. Your spouse or your abusive person is not going to let you do that. Not going to relinquish control over your life enough for you to conquer in every other er in any other area of your life. Um, You know, yeah. So that's I have felt like this this thing has been a barrier between me and all that life has to offer. And just like in an abusive relationship, when you leave, when you leave that relationship, you're going to have to do the hard work. You're going to have to do the mundane things to go to school or to do whatever it is that you want to do. And um, but 
you you definitely have to conquer one thing at a time, right? You're going to have to conquer this addiction first, and then you can take on the world and whatever else God has for you, whatever else God has um, in your life that you want to conquer, establish, um, be victorious over, you know, take it all on one thing at a time, probably not all at the same time, but um, you can do it. We can do all things through Christ who is our strength. Proverbs 23, 20, uh, 23, Proverbs 23, 20 through 21 says, do not join those who drink too much wine or gorge themselves on meat for drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rugs, in rags, not rugs, <laughs> in rags. But yeah, so I, I have also felt like, um, being a glutton, um, addicted to food. I like how they put it in there with, um, alcoholism because that's really how the Bible sees gluttony, the addiction to food is the same as the addiction to alcohol. It's the same amount of sin. It's the same amount of destruction. And it leads to the same things. And it leads to drowsiness, um, uh, you know, lack of motivation. Um, it also leads to poverty, guys. Being obese costs a lot of money. Okay, it costs a lot of money to go to the to the fast food restaurant every day or whatever it is. It costs a lot of money to eat out all the time. It, it costs a lot of money um, to pay for medical expenses when you're struggling with diabetes and, and trying to buy insulin. It costs a lot of money to struggle in this area. And the Bible tells us that from the get-go. Um, yeah, so uh, Song of Solomon's 2.15 says, Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. So I love this verse, and I love Song of Solomon. It's um, very romantic and uh, can be very sen- sensual or sexual. Um, I really like this verse in um, context of what we're talking about because obesity can be the little foxes. They're small. They're they're seemingly insignificant. It's just eating too much. You know, it's just a small bad habit that you have. But the little foxes are what ruins the vineyard. Like you, you might have these little foxes, these little hangups, these little addictions um, that are completely destroying your life because you're looking at them like they're little, like they're little, but you need to catch them before they destroy your life. My kids like to watch this cartoon about this bear and it has like, like this bear has these friends and they're all a bunch of like squirrels. They all look exactly alike. I think they're squirrels. Um, but this bear, every time this bear sees something that he wants and he tries to go after it, all these squirrels try to come after it first and they sabotage him and they take it from him and they trip him up. And it's this whole thing is a battle between these squirrels and this bear and the bear always loses. And that's kind of how I feel like I'm the bear and all these little squirrels are all these little addictions that swarm at my feet and they seem harmless and I let them live in my house, but they destroy everything that I try to attain and aspire to in my life. They mess up my mindset. They mess up my body. They mess up my relationships and I'm tired of them. They're the little foxes and we need to catch them. I need to catch them. I need to catch my little foxes. Second Corinthians 6, 16 through 7, 1 says, and what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For you are God's temple, the home of the living God. And God has said of you, I will live on them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. That is why the Lord has said, leave them, separate yourself from them. 
Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you and be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. Having such great promises as these, dear friends, let us turn away from everything wrong, whether of body or spirit, and purify ourselves, living in the wholesome fear of God, giving ourselves to Him alone. Guys, when you're living in willful sin and you know you're sinning, and you try to go before God and feel His presence and get in His presence— You can't. You can't get in his presence until you repent and you ask God to forgive you. And when you repent, it's not like, oh, I'm sorry, but it's okay because everyone else is doing it. It's, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I let anything come between us, that I let anything separate me from you, that I continued to do it. And I knew that it was wrong and I still did it. It's not small. It's not insignificant if it separates you from God. And that's what this thing has been for me, separating me from God's presence, from feeling his presence all around me. And there's, guys, if you've never felt God's presence, there's no feeling like being in his presence, like just everything's okay. There's no drug in the world that can make you feel like you feel when you're in the presence of God. Like that was the place that you were meant to live your whole life in is in his presence. So we talk about how our body is the temple. People say, well, why would you want to cut the temple? Why would you want to cut open your body or, or hurt your body? Like that's, that's God's temple. You shouldn't do that. Well, Matthew 21, 12 says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the, ben- and the benches of, the, of those selling doves. So yeah, he he got violent in the temple. He destroyed parts of the temple in order to um, redeem the temple and establish it as a place of worship. Once again, my body is the temple. It's a place of worship, but I have made it a den of thieves because of the way that I've treated it, the sin that I've allowed in my life, and I'm not going to stand for it anymore. Matthew 5, 29 through 30 says... If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Guys, you know, this is not Jesus telling us to cut off our hands because I know our hands have caused us to stumble. You know, this isn't literal, but it is giving you an example of the extreme that we should be willing to take to end the sin in our own lives. That doesn't mean harming anybody. Okay. That doesn't mean harming other people. You know, who causes you to sin your own actions, your own actions. It's not other people who dress scandalously or flirt with you or lead you on. It's not them. It's you. You know better. You're in charge of you. You are a person responsible for your own actions, for your own sin. And when you repent, when you turn from your sin, God is faithful and he will forgive you, but you cannot blame anyone else. And and once you take ownership, once you take responsibility, you have to do whatever it takes. You have to do whatever it takes to be free. First Corinthians 9, 25 through 27 says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. 
Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not faint like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. So it's time for me to be purposeful, to be specific, to have a plan to take this enemy down. This is my plan. This is the plan that me and God have worked on together. And this is not anyone else's plan. This is not a plan I'm telling you to do. Um, but this is my plan and this is what I'm going to do. So I do want to hear from you guys. Um, I don't want to hear you tell me not to do it or, um, you know, be judgy. So you can save that. But I do want to hear from you guys, your thoughts, your feelings about this, about uh, VSG or addiction or um, whatever it is that you want to talk about. You can um, hit me up at uh, The Brace and Truth on Facebook or you can comment below. So yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. The next episode will be on September 30th. So the next episode will be September 30th. Usually I, um, I drop the episode or I publish the episode around 11 p.m. So usually you catch it the day after, which will be October 1st. I'll be talking to you guys about um, my specific plans, where I'm going, the cost, the details. And also um, I'll be having a guest. I don't know who my guest is going to be yet, but someone relevant. And um, if you guys have any ideas, then let me know. If you guys have friends or family members who have done this surgery, um, um, then let me know. I'd love to hear from them and uh, get their experiences from them as well. Um, thank you guys for listening to The Brace and Truth. I can't wait till next episode. Until then, be safe and have a great weekend.